This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Bible League. Your gift of $35 will send seven Bibles to Christians in need, and your gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles. And right now, with a matching gift, your gift will be doubled. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again. I think what will be coming down the pike in a pretty short period of time here is whether or not Americans are still lovers of freedom or whether or not they will succumb to fear and freak out even when they are being played. See, this is the problem. There is a time to think, and that time is always Hey, maybe I should get a bumper sticker of that. But it's true. You should think. Now, I I get a little irritated because there are some people out there who will say, we were willing to give away all of our freedoms over this pandemic without a shot. We didn't even notice. That's not true. That maybe that's true for a few people. But I don't think that people were throwing away their freedoms and willingly jettisoning the First Amendment because they said, hey, there's a pandemic out there and I'd I really don't want people to die. So, yeah, if we all have to kind of hunker down for a few weeks, I'll go along with that. But that doesn't mean that you said, let's rip up the Bill of Rights and be done with it. So I reject that argument. But on the other hand, on the other hand, we're seeing the far extreme, which is some of these totalitarian governors in particular who are just getting totally out of control. I'm going to get into some of that. Here's one example of one just just one little instance where it's just getting completely insane. Did you hear what happened in New Jersey where they shut down a drive-through tulip farm and have threatened to arrest the owner? Drive-through, right? Drive-through. You don't get out of your car. You're looking at tulips. They are now threatening to arrest the owner. This is from Shore News Network. Governor Phil Murphy's administration has shut down the drive-through tulip farm in Creamridge, New Jersey, but allowed the owners to continue selling their tulips to their customers for curbside pickup. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me just stop you for a second there. They can't drive through a tulip farm where they would be in their cars with their windows up, but they can buy tulips presumably they'd have to roll their windows down in order to take advantage of curbside pickup. Don't understand that one at all. Owner Casey Jansen said his family-owned farm makes about a $1 million annual investment into planting tulips to operate the annual drive through This week, he was given a message from Attorney General Gruber Gruel, who said, no drive through allowed. We planted all these tulip bulbs in the months of October and November, Jansen said. That's when we make the investment. My investment is just about a million dollars. But meanwhile, out in Gloucester County, the Dalton Farms tulip drive through which is booked solid through the weekend, has been given a pass by the Murphy administration. Maybe you New Jerseyites can figure that one out. I certainly can't figure that out from where I sit because I'm sitting in Texas where we're going to have restrictions beginning to lift this week. At the same time that an updated model is suggesting Texas is past the peak of deaths related to COVID-19. And I'm going to get into that in a little bit. So you have that going on in New Jersey. But are we really surprised? You recall a couple of days ago, Tucker Carlson over at Fox News was interviewing Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, about where he gets his authority to do 
some of the insane things that he's doing. And I don't even think I need to introduce this. It's going to speak for itself. This is cut one. You made that decision. And as I noted before, 15 congregants at a synagogue in New Jersey were arrested and charged for being in a synagogue together. Now, the Bill of Rights, as you well know, protects Americans' right enshrines their right to practice their religion as they see fit and to congregate together to assemble peacefully. By what authority did you nullify the Bill of Rights in issuing this order? How do you have the power yeah, to we do were, that? That's above my pay grade, Tucker. So I wasn't, uh, I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when we did this. We went to all, first of all, we looked at the data well, and tell. the science, and it says pe- <laughs> people have to stay away from each other. Oh, my goodness. Unless you're in one tulip farm and not the other tulip farm, in which case you can proceed with your drive through tulip farm visits, but the other one has to shut down and the owner will get arrested. <laughs> the Bill of Rights is above my pay grade. Don't ask me about the Bill of Rights. What do you think I took civics in school? Come on. Nobody knows what the Bill of Rights really are. It's just one of those phrases that you throw around when you're trying to intimidate your political opponent. Don't you know the Bill of Rights? Well, you ought to know the Bill of Rights. You're a governor of one of our 50 states. Not only should you know what the Bill of Rights is, you should follow the Bill of Rights. It's, it's insanity. Why do we even have a Bill of Rights? Why do we have a U.S. Constitution if people aren't going to follow it? I've been asking that question for years. So then we have over in California something that really made me smile. You probably saw the video of a popular skate park in Southern California. This is Ralph's Skate Court in San Clemente filled up by the government with 37 tons of sand. Yeah, there's a video of it. If you're not on social media, you should sign up and go look at it because it's worth watching. 37 tons of sand were dumped into this skate court after skateboarders were ignoring no trespassing signs, which were part of the whole coronavirus stay-at-home order. They're putting sand in a skate park to keep kids from skateboarding in a skate park. So you know what the kids did? They went in there with shovels and they were they were shoveling the sand out of the way. And then they were taking their dirt bikes and using their dirt bikes in the skate park. And I have to admit that there's part of me that said, you go, guys, because they're so out of control. This is the problem. I am not for disobeying the law under most circumstances. I think the way that our country has to work is that we have to pass laws. And when we get lousy laws, we need to go through the process of rescinding those laws and enacting new laws and getting right legislators into place so we get good laws. That is the normal process. But even from the example in the New Testament, we know that there is a time to say, I'm going to obey God rather than men. Now, I'm not saying a skate park and sand in a skate park rise to that level. But what is really going on? What's really going on is people are waking up. And they're saying to themselves, what are these people really trying to do? There's no reason. That's not helping your health. Dumping 37 tons of sand into a skate park. Are you really serious? But you look at what else is going on in California and it becomes a little more clear. Now, let me go to this particular cut because I think this is quite telling. Over at MSNBC over the weekend, they interviewed Tom Steyer. Now, Tom Steyer ran for president uh, not too long ago, but he also is now part of this business coronavirus task force charged with trying to re re-up the economy in California. And the anchor asks Tom Steyer, what is the first thing you want to tackle in saving California's economy? Listen very closely to what his answer is. This is cut three. I think it's really important to note 
that health and sa- the health and safety of Californians have to absolutely come first. And that Governor Newsom has been providing exceptional leadership during this health crisis. And that has to be preeminent, even though we know that Californians are suffering economically, that they're scared about their jobs and they're scared about taking care of their families. The first thing we have to remember is that as we support a jobs recovery here, that recovery has to be fair, it has to be green, and it has to be forward looking. That we can't do what happened after the great recession of 2008, where in fact what happens is most of the support went to the richest people in America. We have to make sure that this recovery and all the efforts are aware that the under-resourced communities in our society are suffering the most Mm -hmm. and they have to be first and foremost in our minds as we come out. Okay, you might be saying to yourself, what? The recovery, first of all, has to be fair. What does that mean? Well, we know what this means. This is Marxist stuff. It has to be fair. It has to be green and it has to be forward-looking. That's just blathering. What are you talking about? The recover- How about the recovery needs to be vast and the recovery has to be swift, as swift as we can make it happen, you know, based on what we have to do with making sure that the pandemic is dealt with at the same time. But fair, green and forward looking, that is just code, folks. That's code. They have a Green New Deal that is... You know, something that you can really get into place now that you have a serious crisis. You don't want to let it go to waste. We learned that under the Obama administration, Rahm Emanuel. You don't want a serious crisis to go to waste. You need a fair, green, forward-looking job recovery plan. And Tom Steyer and Gavin Newsom, who's doling out millions to illegal aliens, are just the guys to make it happen, really. No wonder there are so many protests. We're going to get back to this, but we'll take a break now here on Janet Meffer Today. Stay with us. This is Janet Mefford, and we're partnering with the Bible League on Stand With Them, Bibles for the Persecuted Church. Paul reminded Timothy that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Persecution is defined as suffering for the sake of Christ and His glory, and it comes in many forms all over the world. In India, it's being shunned by Hindu family members. In China, it's the loss of church buildings. In the Middle East, it could be jail or even death at the hands of extremists. Isaiah is a new Christian praying for the nourishment that comes only from God's word. Send him a Bible for only $5. $100 sends Bibles to 20 Christians. And through the end of April, there's a Bible for Bible match that will help us send God's word to as many persecuted Christians as possible. All you have to do is call 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. 800-YES-WORD. Are you in need of a health care program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month. And there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $199 per month. And there's no network so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible 
medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more by calling 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561. Or visit libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Well, we all know about the leftist climate change activists, but how much do you know about the eco-right? They claim to adhere to the free market, but as my next guest points out, they preach the religion of man-made global warming with the same fervor as the left-wing faithful, and they even found a place at CPAC. What is their game, and who are these people? We're going to find out today from Hayden Ludwig, who's an investigative researcher for Capital Research Center, and is out with a great op-ed about this over at Legal Insurrection. Hayden, it's great to have you with us today. How are you? I'm doing well. Glad to be with you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Fill us in a little bit on who the eco-right is. I don't even like the sound of that word, but I know that there is cause for concern here. Fill us in a little bit. Yeah, well, everybody's familiar with the crazy environmentalists of the left, right? Sierra Club and Greenpeace. What we're dealing with is people who call themselves free market conservatives, but they basically hold the same worldview as these environmentalists that the world is getting infinitely warmer, that humanity is to blame, and that it's going to be the death of us all. And so they basically end up proposing similar global warming policies as the left, most notoriously, I think, is a carbon tax, which in short would just be a tax on anything that produces carbon dioxide, you know, the stuff that you breathe out every day, yeah. right, that plants breathe in. So these guys want to uh, implement a big policies that would devastate the economy. Just as, just because they're not as crazy as the Green New Dealers doesn't mean that they're not just as bad for, for the future of the U.S. Well, right. So you've talked about a couple of these groups that went to CPAC this year, Young Conservatives for Carbon Dividends. That's a random name. And then Republican. I mean, wh- what makes these groups conservative if they're holding to the leftist views on climate change and coming up with the same sorts of solutions that we hear from the radical left? On on what grounds are they actually conservative? What kind of case do they make? Well, I think you just answered your own question there. It's Look, if you take funding from the left, which these guys do, to push the left's policies, I don't think you have the right to call yourself a conservative, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Uh, well, basically, what these guys can do is they can point to the, the people like the Green New Deal crowd who want the U.S. to transition to 100 percent renewable energy in the next decade, which is about 12 or 15 percent of our economy right now. They want us to do that. These guys aren't in the same crowd. I want to make that point clear. However, where their first big mistake is, is they cede the ground of the argument to the left. Hmm. They agree with the left's idea that humanity is causing global warming, that it's going to destroy us all, that it's the end of days, yada, yada, yada. Well, once you accept that premise, you automatically take up the responsibility to do something about it, right? Yes. Which is why the argument for conservatives needs to be, hang on, science isn't about consensus. It's not about do we all agree. It's about the pursuit of truth. Right. And these guys have basically settled for junk science pushed by professional activists who use political slogans like keeping in the ground and climate weirding, which is my favorite term for climate change, <laughs> 
These are not political. These are not scientific terms. They're political terms. Well, this is what we're dealing with: is people who think that they're conservative, but basically hold the left's worldview. And I just don't think that you can do that. Not to mention that they're given hundreds of thousands of dollars by people like George Soros or <laughs> the Hewlett Foundation, which are big liberal mega donors. So it, it, all all I can say is these people aren't trustworthy when it comes to their conservative bona fides. Well, no. Are there any actual conservatives in either of these groups as you were delving into this a little bit? I know one of them was started by uh, former Representative Bob Inglis of South Carolina, who is a Republican. But are there any conservatives involved in these groups that can be identified and and signed off on as conservatives? My experience, and I was there at CPAC, I met these groups and I've been tracking them for a couple of years now. My experience is that there's a handful of people who are basically at their heart of hearts left-wingers. Bob Inglis is one of them. Let's not forget that 10 years ago, he lost his re-election in Congress to Trey Gowdy, who was then an upstart, and he lost it overwhelmingly because of his position on climate change. Republicans did not buy it. They saw it as a lie. But there's people like that who are, they take the left's money and they're mercenaries, in my opinion. But then there's a huge crowd of young people my age and younger who are really fooled because the left is really smart and these eco-right guys are really smart at disguising themselves as serious economists and concerned scientists. When in reality, if you break things down, you find that what they're pushing is is not scientific. Here's a basic argument for you. If these guys come along and tell you that carbon dioxide is a pollutant, you know that they don't know anything about what they're talking about. Yes. How can it be a pollutant? It's a natural occurring gas essential to life on Earth. Exactly. It's simply a political term ginned up by crazies like the Sierra Club, right? So I I guess my my attitude towards the eco-right is condemn those people like Bob Inglis who know what they're doing and regularly appear alongside people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and even praise the Green New Deal to a certain respect. But then the, the crowds of young people who just have been bought off by the fake veneer of science, those people need to come back to the flock. And part of my goal with these kinds of op-eds is to convince them you haven't heard all the arguments and we don't have our head in the ground. We want you to come back and see what real conservative scientists and thinkers have to say about these issues. Yep, that's really important. And, you know, there is a parallel here because we've seen, for example, in the conservative evangelical world, we've seen Soros funding coming in and they're trying to woo in more of these leftist evangelicals to their side of the fence. And so they're doing the same sort of thing. The question, though, I have is why would CPAC welcome these people? That's a great question. To the best of my degree, and I've asked a lot of friends the same question, um, the group that runs CPAC, the American Conservative Union, doesn't take a stance on a lot of big issues like this. But so, so it's kind of a platform for people to come in there as long as they're generally on the right. And these people are generally speaking on the right. That said, if you look at Matt Schlapp, the head of the ACU, has to say about a carbon tax, which almost all of these groups push, he, he has nothing but, but horrible things to say about it. He points mm-hmm. out rightly that it's a terrible policy. So I think if these people were paying attention at CPAC to the groups that were signing up big booths in prominent positions at this largest gallery of conservatives in America, 
um, they should know that these people don't have a place at CPAC. Yeah. They simply don't. Yeah, well, especially when CPAC has a history of kicking certain people out. They're not hesitant to kick certain people out who actually are conservative. So we won't go down that road, but they are willing to do that <laughs> sometimes. So that seems really strange. Talk about the funding, if you would, a little bit, Hayden, because you had mentioned Soros funding and you also talked in your piece about some of the leftists who have money behind these groups. Can you fill people in a little bit on where the money is coming from? The name you need to be aware of is the Hewlett Foundation. If Hewlett sounds familiar, it's the guy who started Hewlett Packard, Hewlett Packard, the PC company, uh, some decades ago. It's his old foundation. He's long since passed away, but his foundation has hundreds of millions of dollars that he distributes to causes like this. It is liberal. There's no doubt about it. It supports um, groups like the Energy Foundation, which is a big pass-through funder to all sorts of left-wing causes nobody on the right would support. However, Hewlett Foundation has been infamous in certain circles like mine because it's one of the few groups on the left that's managed to slip money to groups like Bill Crystal's mm. group, uh, Defending Democracy Together. I've written about that, how his, um, they call it Republicans for the Rule of Law. It's a big anti-Trump group. <laughs> well, he takes a lot of money from Hewlett. Same with most of these supposed conservatives on the eco-right. So next time you see anything about Hewlett Foundation, know that it's one of those groups that's funding an infiltration of the conservative movement. Yes. Well, yeah, Bill Crystal. I mean, he's we all know where Bill Crystal stands now. You couldn't call him a conservative on a bet now. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, really, I mean, let's be honest about it. We've watched Bill oh, Crystal yeah, go in the other direction. Are they willing pawns of the left, in your opinion, or just conservatives who happen to need the money to do what they're doing or both? You know what? My experience, and I look at money all day. That's what a Capital Research Center does. We just investigate the flow of money into politics. In my experience, most of these groups, I think even Crystal included, would go to big conservative donors and foundations if they could. Mm. So what I draw from this, and I don't know if this is true, this is just my opinion, what I draw from all this is the fact that they take money from the left um, tells me that there isn't a big base of funders and donors on our side that supports that, which should hearten every conservative listening, because it means that most people on our side are solidly together on these points. So I, I really don't think that Crystal and these eco right folks would take money from the left if they could help it, because it frankly, it undermines their entire argument. Yeah. It gives me a place to criticize them. I wouldn't have if they were completely funded by, you know, famous conservatives. Exactly. How do they even make a case that there's a free market global warming? I mean, what talking points would they even put forward to even sound conservative if, as you've said before, all of their main points are just the same points the left is making? Do they have anything that they put forward that's any different from the Green New Deal or the Ocasio-Cortez talking points? Yeah, it's basically Green New Deal light, if you look at it. It really just encourages cronyism. So I mentioned a carbon tax earlier, and I mentioned it's a, it's a tax on all CO2, as carbon dioxide emissions in America. They call these greenhouse gases, right? Well, the way a carbon tax works from their perspective is they would tax all these emissions. So, you know, your car, um, obviously big manufacturing, oil producers, because when you burn gasoline or, or coal or natural gas, it produces CO2 as a byproduct. Well, they would slap a tax on every metric ton that's, that's emitted. You don't have to know the particulars to know that that has a, 
a cost that's passed on to the consumer. Sure. Well, they realize this. Your electricity bills are going to go through the roof if they do this. Could cross, uh, the last numbers I looked at said something like a trillion dollars over the next decade in lost GDP. A trillion. Well, they justify this as free market because they, they provide what is called a carbon dividend. And the idea is, well, we'll tax all these big businesses for their carbon emissions, but then we'll pay that money back in a monthly lump sum to every American, which is like robbing Peter to pay Paul <laughs> when you think about it, because yeah. it's your money anyway. Of They're course. Just paying it back. Yeah, that's and nuts. That's, that's the kind of policy that Andrew Yang and the Democratic Party who was running for president not long ago was, was advocating for. It's, it's barely, you know, it's not as crazy as the Green New Deal, perhaps, but it's hardly a free market capitalist uh, policy. Yeah, you're totally right about that. Well, check it out. LegalInsurrection.com. Hayden Ludwig from the Capital Research Center. Really great work, Hayden. It was wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. All right. You take care. We'll be back on Janet Mefford today. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Bible League. Your gift of $35 will send seven Bibles to Christians in need, and your gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles. And right now, with a matching gift, your gift will be doubled. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Welcome back. Well, let's talk a little bit more about what's going on COVID-related. Yes, there will come a time when we're not talking about this anymore. You know, I have to say, I, I, I don't like to beat the drum on any subject too much except the Lord, that you can never beat the drum on the subject of the Lord and his word enough. But on this subject, I'm looking forward to the day we don't have to talk about this as the top story all the time, but right now I think it's necessary. And I think it's very interesting what has been happening. Residents protesting this coronavirus stay-at-home orders now in five states, Colorado, Illinois, Florida, Tennessee, and Washington, according to ABC News. This is just building from coast to coast. This just happened over the weekend, at least five states, had protests. And I think what's going on with people is they recognize, as I was saying earlier with what's going on in California, they recognize what's going on, is when you give an opportunity to a leftist to become a totalitarian, he'll take it. He'll take it every time. And yet they go after Trump. Now, you might have seen this particular back and forth between Trump and this CBS News reporter. I want to play this for you because I think this is very significant when it comes to the media being all about fake news. And, you know, here's the problem. Here's the problem. I have always worked with liberals when I was in journalism and when I was working in newspapers. It's filled with liberals. I don't have a problem with liberals per se, obviously, as human beings created in God's image and all the rest. But what I do have a problem with is when you are just an out-and-out activist and you have ceased doing journalism. 
That's what irritates me. I don't have a problem if you have a liberal journalist who's making a good point and bringing forth very pertinent facts on a subject and asking hard questions of a Republican president. I don't have any problems with that because I'm not somebody who believes that just because you have an R behind your name, that means that everything you do is on the up and up. I don't believe that. I don't believe that's true in the church either. Just because you are heading up a a solid Bible-believing evangelical church doesn't mean you can't get a wolf in there now and then. So you do need to have people who are doing oversight. But when you are just openly hostile and you don't even have your act together, then I guess when the subject that you're interviewing or questioning fights back a little bit, it can be satisfying. So I want you to listen to this. This is an interaction between President Trump and this CBS News reporter. Listen to this. Cut four. Since you shared with us something else that you saw on TV today, I have a question about something you said on Thursday, which is that you were angry because information about the virus should have been told to us earlier and a lot sooner. People knew it was happening and people did not want to talk about it. Many Americans are saying the exact same thing about you, that you should have warned them the virus was spreading like wildfire through the month of February instead of holding rallies with thousands of people. Why did you wait so long who are you to with? warn who, them? Who are you with? And why did you yeah. uh, not have social distancing until March 16th? Who are you with? I'm Weejia Jang with CBS News. So if you look at what I did in terms of cutting off or banning China from coming in. Chinese nationals. But by the way, not Americans who are also nationalists. China. just relax. We cut it off. People were amazed. These gentlemen, everybody was amazed that I did it. We had 21 people in a room. Everybody was against it but me. Dr. Fauci said, had I not done that, perhaps tens of thousands and maybe much more than that, people would have died. I was very early, very, very early. And we just saw you saw Brett Baer making a statement. They had a debate well into February. And not even mentioned, it wasn't even mentioned, the Democrats. Yeah, there she there she goes. She's just trying to get in his face and be as aggressive and as obnoxious as she possibly can. That is not about getting information. I hope people notice this. There is a difference between reporting and trying to obtain information and what that woman is doing and what usually is happening in those press briefings now where they're just openly hostile and trying to get, you know, make names for themselves. I'm going to be the next Jim Acosta. No, I'm going to be the next Jim Acosta. Okay, well, I'm not really sure why you would want to be the next Jim Acosta. But they all want to be. It's all about, you know, getting some kind of recognition from their peers and who could be the most obnoxious in the press briefings. But then she jumps in again. This is interesting. Cut five. By the way, when you issued the ban, the virus was already here. Okay, and you know how many people when I issued the ban? How many cases of virus were in the United States when I issued the ban? Do you know the number? There was... No, no, how many cases? Remember I said one person. How many cases were here when I issued the ban? But did you know... No, 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 you have to do your research. How many... I did my research. On the 23rd of March, you said you knew this was going to be a pandemic. Can I tell you what? I did know it. I did know it. All I have to do is look. Anybody knew it. Just... Are you ready? How many cases were in the United States when I did my ban? How many people had died in the United States? So do you acknowledge that you didn't think Keep your voice down, please. Keep your voice down. Did you not? How many, how many, how many cases were in the United States? I did a ban where I'm closing up the entire country. How many people died? And that's a fair point. How many people died in the United States? And yet I closed up the country and 
I believe there were no deaths, zero deaths at the time I closed up the country. Nobody was there. And you should say thank you very much for good judgment. Well, she will never say thank you very much for good judgment. And she didn't do her homework. And I did look it up. And at the time that President Trump issued that ban on Chinese nationals coming into the United States on January 31st, there were seven cases of coronavirus in the United States that were reported. Obviously, we don't know for sure how many cases there have been for various reasons. There were seven cases. Seven cases and no deaths. The first death, according to the CDC website, was reported on February 29th. Now, how do you win this? That's what I would like to ask these reporters. What would you like me to do? It's, have you stopped beating your wife yet, President Trump? How in the world are you supposed to win this battle? On the one hand, they say, if you do it too early, then you're being xenophobic. And you called it the Chinese virus, and clearly that means you're a racist, even though the virus, as we know, originated in China. So it's actually extremely accurate. But no, no, you can't say that you're a racist and a xenophobe. So if you do it too early, and she was insinuating that he should have done it earlier than January 31st, at a time when people like Nancy Pelosi were jaunting around Chinatown and encouraging people to show up. And that was a joke of an interview over the weekend that she did with Chris Wallace on Fox News, where she was saying, oh, no. I was just trying to stop people from being racist. That's why I can invited them to come to Chinatown. Give me a break. Nobody believes that. Nobody believes that. So CBS News reporter, what do you have to say about Nancy Pelosi parading around Chinatown and inviting people to come there in late February? President Trump issues the travel ban on January 31st and the leftists were screaming and yelling about it. This is ridiculous. This is overkill. Trump's a dictator. Now, after the fact, you're responsible for all the people that have died. You are? I mean, she didn't say it in so many words, but that's the attitude of the media. It's all Trump's fault. If Trump wants to open the country a little bit, then he will be responsible. He will have blood on his hands. There were seven cases in the United States and he acted quickly and he shut down the travel from foreign nationals. And the Chinese people who did come into the United States after that were U.S. citizens. This is something that Representative Dan Crenshaw just pointed out when he did that interview with Bill Maher. They were Americans. Think of the outcry on the left if they would have said, no, we're not going to allow anybody who's been in China to come to the United States. Those people are American citizens. This is Nazi Germany. You know, we would have heard the whole shebang. And so you can't win with the left. You're darned if you do and you're darned if you don't. And I'm glad he's fighting back because he does deserve the credit for having done that. What would you have had the man do? The answer to that is be removed from office during the impeachment. That's the answer. If they're really going to be honest, that's the answer. You should have left. Those stupid Republicans in the Senate should have removed you from office for having no quid pro quo with the Ukrainian president on that phone call when you were mentioning the fact that Joe Biden is corrupt to the teeth and has been profiteering off people like his son, Hunter, who was put on the board of this uh, Burisma, where he wasn't the least bit qualified to be on that. It's just cronyism and it's complete corruption. But let's get Trump out of office. These are the same people, the people on the same side of the political aisle who are working in some of these states to keep things shut down for no good reason way out into the future. I don't have a problem making a decision in the here and now, but now you've got Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York, shutting down parades and concerts through June, even though it's just been reported that the number of deaths has reached a low in states like New York. So what are you doing What is he doing? Well, you have some very interesting stuff. 
that I'm going to play for you. When we come back, we're going to take another break here on Janet Meffer today. Stay with us. Here's Dan Steiner, president of Preborn, with an important update. 3,100 Americans lost their lives yesterday and the day before, not to the coronavirus, but to abortion on demand in our country. It's a tragedy of incomparable proportions, with over 800,000 weekly, globally, losing their lives. In the face of this, Preborn is offering free, compassionate, Christ-centered care and ultrasounds to girls in unplanned pregnancies. Would you prayerfully consider sponsoring an ultrasound for a girl today? Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. Your gift of $28 will provide one free ultrasound and $140 will provide five free ultrasounds. To donate, just call 855-402-BABY. 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. All gifts are tax deductible. Will you help a mom in need choose life? Just call now. 855-402-2229 or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. From now through April, Janet Mefford today is partnering with Bible League to send Bibles to persecuted Christians around the world. Can you help? Your gift of $35 will send seven Bibles to Christians in need, and your gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles. And right now, with a matching gift, your gift will be doubled. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 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 or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today, and now, here's Janet. Welcome back. As I was telling you, Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York, who said that he's interested in permanently shutting down houses of worship that get out of line. And I don't think he's ever rescinded that. He's also under fire for saying something else that was completely insane. And that was pertaining to snitching on your neighbor if that neighbor is not, in your opinion, sufficiently social distanced. And if you haven't heard it, here it is. Cut six. New Yorkers, you have been extraordinary at social distancing. And let me tell you, it has taken every fiber of our beings to figure out how to do this because we're warm, emotional people. We're used to being close to each other. We're used to being packed in the subway cars. And we've had to do the exact opposite and figure out how to keep distance. It's not natural for us. It's not normal for us. But you've done it. You've done an amazing job. Now, look, thank you, everyone who's done it the right way. But we still know there's some people who need to get the message. And that means sometimes making sure the enforcement is there to educate people and make clear we got to have social distancing. So now it is easier than ever when you see a crowd, when you see a line that's not distanced, when you see a supermarket that's too crowded, anything, you can report it right away so we can get help there to fix the problem. And now it's as simple as taking a photo. All you got to do is take the photo and put the location with it and bang, send a photo like this 
and we will make sure that enforcement comes right away. Text the photo to 311-692, and action will ensue. There's your progressive future right there in front of you. Snitch on your neighbor. Snitch on your neighbor in the name of social distancing. I know that everybody has been laughing at this Karen meme stuff. Karen, she's the woman who is always calling in on the neighbors who aren't properly social distancing. She's the one asking for the manager. You might have heard about this, that people are talking about, you know, these Karens who are doing this everywhere. He loves the Karens. Turn them in. Take photos. Send them to us. We'll crack down on them. I mean, that doesn't sound like a police state at all, does it? You know, never mind the fact that we're still not completely clear on the degree to which herd immunity is helpful. We're not clear on that completely. Dr. Fauci, like every day, he says something a little different than he said a week ago. So who knows what he knows and what he doesn't know? Ultimately, he keeps changing his mind on stuff. Oh, well, we didn't act early enough. Oh, well, we don't want to overreact. And you go back to what he said at the time. Oh, no, there's no need whatsoever to put into place any sort of restrictions. Now he says, oh, yeah, we should have acted earlier, but what can you do? Well, What? No wonder people say fire Fauci. Oh, and by the way, MSNBC reported just a couple of days ago, there was a video of this drones that were donated by a Chinese company called DJI have gone to 43 agencies in 22 states to help enforce social distancing rules. That's great. So you can look at the little drones, Chinese made drones over your head. And that'll make you rush right back into your kitchen. U.S. using drones to spy on and lecture Americans about a virus caused by communist China. Elizabeth Harrington, I believe her name is from the GOP, tweeted about this. And DJI may be sending data to China. And you wonder why there are protests. You wonder why there are protests when people get information like that. Chinese drones. Swell. What a terrific idea. Speaking of Dr. Fauci, he was on MSNBC as well. I'm sorry. He was on a Stephanopoulos. I get these people all confused. They're basically all the same network. But Stephanopoulos over on Good Morning America, who last I heard has the coronavirus. So clearly he's not that sick because he's conducting interviews with Dr. Fauci. But I want you to listen to this exchange. Cut two. We're seeing these protests crop up all across the country right now, including the protests in Texas and other places where they're saying fire Anthony Fauci. Fauci uh, is wrong. They're resisting these stay at home orders from governors. What's your message back to those protesters? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I think the, you know, the, the message is that clearly this is something that is hurting from the standpoint of economics, from the standpoint of things that have nothing to do with the virus. But unless we get the virus under control, the real recovery economically is not going to happen. So what you do if you jump the gun and go into a situation where you have a big spike, you're going to set yourself back. So as painful as it is to go by the careful guidelines of gradually phasing into a reopening, it's going to backfire. That's the problem. How do you know that? Are you an economist? How do you know that? You've been looking at these models and the models have been wrong and you've walked back this and you've walked back that. All of a sudden you're saying, yeah, I know people want an economic recovery, but you're going to make the economic recovery even worse if you open up. What? How do you know this? What are your qualifications for knowing this? Have you been lord of a pandemic before? I mean, I understand he has a certain skill set. I'm not trying to say that everything he said has been wrong, but why is he the be-all, end-all lord of the pandemic? 
I don't understand this because there are viable reasons that people want to get out from under the government's control. First of all, Daniel Horowitz has written a really good piece uh, called Governors Not God. State executives cannot simply do whatever they want indefinitely. And it's a good piece. I don't have time to get into all of it. But he makes some very good points. Can a state interminably violate the First, Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments, confine Americans and close their businesses indefinitely and regulate? interstate commerce all without federal intervention? This should be a no-brainer to anyone who is not constitutionally illiterate. Yet for the political class who didn't seem to recognize anything outside the bounds of federal powers until this month, suddenly we're back to the Articles of Confederation. As soon as the president began talking about opening up the country last week, the media pounced on him and suggested that he's not a king and cannot control the states. Even House Republican Conference Chair Liz Cheney tweaked Trump and implied that the 10th Amendment gives states the power to shut down the people and our businesses. They're right. A president is not a king, but a governor, a county commissioner, a sheriff, they're not king either. We have natural rights given by God, and under no circumstances can any of those officials violate those rights indefinitely without due process and oversight and limitations and checks and balances. For decades, we've been told that everything the left has ever wanted to do is in the 14th Amendment. And anything a state does contrary to those ideals is unconstitutional, whether it's something like early voting or voting without photo ID or affirmative action or abortion or redefining marriage. All this stuff, it's all in the 14th Amendment and federal courts can use it to strip state officials of their powers to govern, except, of course, when the 14th Amendment actually does apply. And believe it or not, he says, while state powers are broader than federal powers, there are limits to state powers when it comes to core natural rights. As Sam Adams, the founding father of the American Revolution, said, among the natural rights of the colonists are these. First, a right to life. Secondly, to liberty. And thirdly, to property, together with the right to defend them in the best manner they can. Judge Timothy Farrar, who wrote the first and most respected post-14th Amendment constitutional treatise, seamlessly listed all the inalienable rights that states cannot violate. The states are recognized as governments, and when their own constitutions permit, may do as they please, provided they do not interfere with the Constitution and the laws of the United States or with the civil or natural rights of the people recognized thereby and held in conformity to them. So he continues to go on with this. But he's making an excellent point. Just because Governor Joe decides he wants to do a stay-at-home order through the year 2023 doesn't mean that Governor Joe has the right to do it. You have a right to have a job. You have a right to own a business. You have a right to be able to earn money to support your family. And the government cannot trample on your rights all in the name of an unknown virus about which we don't know very much at this juncture and about which these models have continuously been wrong in predicting how many people have the virus or how many people are dying from the virus and what those curves really are looking like over the long haul. I mentioned before that in Texas, this updated model now says Texas is past the peak of deaths. And I praise God for Governor Craig Abbott in Texas because he's beginning to open up the state a little bit, I think, in a very good way. He's not going nuts, but he's beginning to open the state parks. He's beginning to say that some of these retail stores that sell clothing can now do curbside service. Why not? 
You can go online, you can find your shirt, and you can drive up to the local JCPenney or what have you, and they can bring it out to you. Why shouldn't they be able to do it? If the food establishments can do it, why can't the clothing establishments do it? And I, I salute him for doing that because he doesn't want everybody to go broke. Think of this as well. If you allow everybody to go broke, what is the next step for leftists? get money from the government. So you have Harvard that has some billion dollar endowment getting $9 million in taxpayer funds. Why? They don't need the money. And you saw that Shake Shack gave back their $10 million grant because they said, we don't need it. Yeah, that makes me want to go to Shake Shack, doesn't it? When you have people who say, I don't want your handout. I want to have my own business. I want to have my own job. I want to get back to work. And there is nothing wrong with Americans saying that. I don't think anybody who is protesting says, let's throw caution to the wind and just wing it. I think people are very concerned about the spread of the virus. But sitting home indefinitely is not going to be the solution to this. And especially now, it's good to see that there are going to be trial runs of this anti-malaria drug touted by Trump by Novartis. So we'll see what comes of that. Hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin together have been very successful in some cases. So we'll see what happens with that. We're out of time, though. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time here on Janet Meffer Today. God bless. God bless.